Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Sing When You're Losing podcast, a podcast about resilience. I believe that setbacks and struggles aren't meant to stop us, they're meant to teach us. Across this series, I interview athletes, coaches, managers, trainers, and more so that we can glean from their wisdom and learn from their stories for how to sing when you're losing. I hope you enjoyed the last episode with Chris Freestone, former Premier League striker with Middlesbrough and a host of other EFL clubs and current National Coach Development Manager with the EFL. In this episode, I get the privilege of interviewing Reggie Calhoun Jr. I cannot express how impressed I am with this young man. Reggie is a former college athlete who has turned entrepreneur. What's amazing about Reggie's business is that everything he does is to make other people's lives better. As ever, when recording online, there are a few sound issues, but it does get better as we go, so please persevere. I have no doubt that if you do, you will be as impressed with Reggie as I am. Now it's time for you to sit back and relax and enjoy the conversation. I'm your host, Buddy Owen, and it's time to learn to sing when you're losing. Today, folks, I am thrilled to be able to introduce you to someone that I've only met very recently. And I can't wait to get to know him a bit more, hopefully in person one day soon as well. Uh, this uh, young man is, he's, he's doing, he's changing lives every day, every day. And I hope that when you hear about some of the stuff that he's doing, you are as excited uh, and, um, and pleased uh, and wanting to get involved <laughs> as I am, uh, because he is a, he's a, a very special young man. His name is Reggie Calhoun Jr. Currently, uh, I am in Spain in the sunshine, and Reggie, I believe, is in Texas in the sunshine. Is that right, Reggie? Yes, sir. That's right. What part of Texas are you in? I'm actually in uh, Arlington, which is uh, west of Dallas. Arlington, Texas, near Dallas, home of the greatest American football team ever, the Dallas Cowboys. Isn't that right, Reggie? That's what they say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't agree with me, do you? Nah, nah, nah. I'm a 49ers guy, so, you know. Yeah, which makes no sense because <laughs> you're from Texas. Oh, sorry, you're not from that. You're from Louisiana. You live in Texas, and you're a 49ers fan. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a testament to, to who I am. I'm, I'm all over, right? I'm a national person so it only makes sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the 49ers if those of you listening from the uk uh, don't know they're they're based in san francisco i'm not even sure this boy's ever been to san francisco much less support a team that uh, <laughs> is that far away from his home city <laughs> uh reggie it's so good to have you on the podcast um, let's just learn a little bit about you, and then we'll dig into some of the stuff that you're doing at the minute. So you live in in Texas. Who do you live there with? Uh, wife and son. And well, my whole family's here now, but uh, yeah, so my family's here, wife, son, mom, sisters, everybody moved. Everybody followed you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's good. And uh, where are you from originally? Originally, I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. New Orleans. That's a great city. Yes, it is. Yeah. Do you miss it? Uh, only when I go visit. When I, don't, when I don't go visit, I don't think about it much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you miss the food? Well, since my mom is here, I kind of get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm regular now. <laughs> and what's your favorite food from Louisiana? Red beans and rice. Red beans and rice. Very good. Sure. Yeah, yeah, nice. What about a jambalaya? I love jambalaya, but only with, with fried fish. Fried fish, okay. Spicy, hot? Uh, tasteful. I could do with some of that right now. So you are from Louisiana. You live in Texas. You played college football, college American football. Where did you do that? 
I played college American football in um, Louisiana. I went to Louisiana College, a small Christian college in uh, central Louisiana. Okay. And what position did you play? Play cornerback, safety, uh, nickel. It depended on whatever they needed me to do for that week. But I was I was I was a defensive back. Defensive back, and did you did you do play in high school as well? Defensive back was that always your? No, actually, I played uh, <laughs> running back, play receiver, I played quarterback at some time, play safe, I played corner. Uh, I did everything, and I went to four high schools in three years, so. Everywhere I went, I was a different type of athlete for that team. So it was just what they needed me to do. But I officially switched to defense my senior year in high school. So I, I need you to I need to get you over to the UK. I've recently joined a flag football team, and uh, I it's me. I, I'm the only American. There's a Canadian on the team who has he's played a little bit of football, played more rugby, and then all the rest of them. Nobody else on the team had ever played American football before about a year and a half ago. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun, but uh, you need to come over and, and, and help us out. Oh, yeah, anytime. anytime. Absolutely. So it, was football your only sport? Did you play other sports? Uh, I, I tried basketball. I ran track, and that was about it. What were your – when you were a kid, when you were in high school – what were your dreams for football? What did, where, where did you see yourself? Well, I guess I can say that I, I wanted to play for the 49ers, right, because I saw what Dion was doing and he was dancing and, you know, having fun. But truly, you know, if we're being honest, I never saw myself playing in the NFL. I thought I, w- I just wanted to do NFL things, like score a touchdown, <laughs> dance on TV. So I never really had, like, pro aspirations. I had entertainment aspirations of what I wanted to do entertainment-wise. I like that. I like that distinction. I find that fascinating. What was it that – why didn't you have the pro aspirations? Was it you just didn't think you could make it or it was too hard work? Or, like, what was it that – Well, you know, you in – the, in the area that I'm in now, you have young kids saying, I, I want to go to, to the NFL, to the NBA but they don't know why they want to go, right? Because the only only thing that you actually see is the entertainment part on TV. TV. So everybody wants to they – are, they are drawn to the entertainment side. I, I was a football player. I played football at a, at a very high level. I was very competitive. I, I liked it, but I didn't see – I felt that the, the marketing behind pro football was different than what the actuality of it was. It's the same as going to college. Like, you're playing college ball. It's, it's 100 yards. It's 11 guys on E11. It doesn't change in the NFL. The only thing that's, that's appealing is the entertainment side. So did I, did, did I see myself playing in the NFL, playing 11 on 11? Not, not really. I saw myself making NFL money and doing NFL player things. So <laughs> once, once I realized I was aiming for the NFL for, for the wrong reasons, when it didn't happen – I was okay with right. because I don't want to be like entertainment famous. So, you know, I felt like I didn't miss out on anything. Like I could, I could play football anywhere. Right. But yeah. I don't think anybody's truly attracted to the game of football to say I'm playing against the, the best of the best. It's, it's more so what the NFL can do for your livelihood that, that everybody's yeah. attracted. Right. So that's my, that's my revelation that I've come to now. Sure. And I, I think that I think that's fascinating. Unfortunately, too true. And and for me, where you see that is very few professional athletes would say that they still love their sport. So many of them, even in college in the states, because it's become so pressurized, uh, would say they're not necessarily loving the sport. College is better, but still tough. But very few professional athletes, whether that's in the NFL, the NBA. Uh, Premier League soccer in, in England, professionals have fallen out of love with the sport. Uh, right. And I think, I think that's what you're saying is really interesting because you realize that. <laughs> um, yep. and, and so instead of doing something that you hated, maybe making a lot of money, but <laughs> something that you weren't really wanting to do, you just wanted to entertain. 
I, right. I, I think that's fascinating. Because when you think about the NFL or NBA, you have some of the best of the best athletes, quote unquote, everybody's not, yeah, not. Yeah. but outside of the actual game, there's more work for that, for that job than the actual dedication that comes from practicing. Cause I can practice and play. That's, that's what I've been doing. Now you're asking me to do media training, marketing, branding, self, like it's so many other layers to the game that guys will fall, fall out of love from it because they've, they've been like all the other pieces, like, like cover up the actual game. It's no longer about football anymore. It's about trades and politics and contracts and who got the biggest deal and who's over here, who's ringing number number one and what's the incentive deals and what, well, all I want to do is play basketball. Like I didn't come I wanted to come and say that I could play, play, play against the best of the best. Well, those 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 guys who are true true football players, are true basketball players who like love the game, they'll they usually like fall off because the game that they once loved as a kid is now turned into a job into a business and it's all fun. I can still do this at a high level. But I'd rather do it on my own time as a hobby versus a career. Yeah, yeah. So you can still love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Roy, Rory McIlroy, you know, one of the best golfers in the world, has said basically the same thing about golf. You know, he, he does love golf, but he doesn't love the profession of golf all the time. Uh, and and for, that, for the very reasons that you're talking about, um, I think, I think that's amazing. Really insightful. So your favorite sport is football? Yes. Uh, your favorite professional team is uh, the San Francisco 49ers? Yep. Uh, favorite college team? University of Miami. <laughs> University of Miami. Yeah, you told me that last time we talked. Because, um, of, because of the entertainment. Remember when they were like, top of the top they won games but they were like flashy they were dancing like that's what caught my attention yeah. like so my first in, in, I mean, introduction to like an actual team i'm just like hey look at all those guys having fun and then you and then you see dion and it's like oh my god he having fun it must be fun to be in the nfl or in, in college yeah not so fun now when you've got clemson beating you 58 nothing at home so yeah that's it's, less fun <laughs> They changed the culture now. Yeah, they're trying to bring it back a bit. They're, they're, mm -hmm. They are trying. They're trying to recover the culture at, at the U. But um, yeah, a ways to go. They've got some some good teams to beat now to get yeah. back up there. Even. Um, so, your favorite college is Miami, which is only about three thousand three thousand five hundred miles from San Francisco. <laughs> your <laughs> your other favorite team. Uh, I, I'll, I'll figure, I, figure you out one day <laughs> why this is the way it is. Favorite basketball team? I don't have one. I don't have yeah. one. I like players. So when I was coming up, um, I liked the Bulls because Jordan was – he was the guy, right? I didn't necessarily like Jordan. I liked the, the aura of, of Jordan, right? Yeah. Then you get – a little older, and you, you look at level on LeBron James, and you watch him through high school to, to the NBA. So I'm a LeBron James fan, right? So I, I like Dwayne Wade, the, the way that he plays. And I just like people. I don't really like teams. I, I, I like players. I'm exactly the same with basketball. So let's, let's jump to what you do now. Uh, because there's a lot that you do now. Give me the list. What What is it that you do now? I'm a, I'm a sportspreneur, meaning I'm a sports enthusiast turned entrepreneur. So I founded a college here in Arlington, Texas. I was a trainer. I still do a little training. I do a little bit of nutrition. Uh, I'm, 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 I am a licensed uh, insurance agent. I'm a mentor. I public speak. I wrote a book. You know, I, I try to use all of my gifts and, and my talents into some sort of a practical, uh, practical business. So mentorship and speaking and writing a book are, are my favorites. Running a college here is my pride and joy. And being a licensed uh, insurance agent is 
one of those things that I look at as a gift to the community. What I find fascinating is that actually all those things tie in. So they're, they're all, you're doing all these various things, but they all feed into, uh, into who you are right. and, and why you live. Uh, and that's, that's what I, I really want to dive into now. So first, talk me through sportspreneurship and, and the book. Okay, so um, as a former athlete, you know, we, um, we, all, we all hit a point where the game ends and we're trying to transition from playing sports to regular life. And usually we're at the age about 24, 25. Sometimes you're in, you're in your early 30s. And I wrote this book to build the correlation between sports and business. We do the exact same things in sports that we do in business networking, training, certifications, reworking out, like all those things you're, um, um, you're doing in sports, you can take those same concepts and put it in business, even on your resume, right? So if you want to go get a job, right? So using your, your skill sets from, uh, from sports, you can make a resume to build some work history. Because if you were anything like me, I, I played football for 17 years. I didn't have a regular job. So my resume was blank. But had I put, you know, from this year to this year, I have 10 plus years in leadership, 10 plus years in, in training, 10 plus years in running a small group, 10 plus years of traveling. Like those things translate into real life experiences if you know how to correlate all those together. So that's what the book was about. Great. And if people wanted to, to find that book, where, where can they find it? Yeah, it's actually on Amazon. Or it's uh, on my, my website, reggiecalhounjr.com. Um, the book is Build Your Sportspreneurship Empire, the RPA Way. Very good. Uh, we'll come back to RPA. I want to I wanna come to RPA last because uh, that's the one that I'm most excited about. Talk to me about being an insurance salesman and how that, <laughs> how that ties in to all the other stuff you're doing with sports. Right. So as an athlete, we athletes have a thing of living in the moment, right? Uh, whether it's the game moment, the championship moment or whatever, but we don't think long-term. So how do you protect your, your biggest asset? As, as an athlete, your biggest asset is what you can do on the field physically. Well, when that breaks down and you can't use it anymore, how do you protect that? How do you ensure that your your gift to the industry is protected long-term because the only person who's going to look out for your best interest is you. So, so when I got uh, hip to insurance and the possibilities and the different designs and the different offerings are out there, immediately I thought about uh, middle school, high school, college athletes who are planning to go to the next level. If that doesn't work, you are officially retired. So I, so I created this, this concept called the Retired Players Account, right? Which is the acronym also has RPA, right? So the Retired Players Account, it's simply just a life insurance account that, that you're funding throughout your, your whole time playing. And by the time you're finished playing, you, you have enough liquid capital to go and do whatever you want to go do as far as their business investments, down payment on, on, on your home, float, float you through after college graduation to find a job or whatever the case be, you have something in place to uh, leverage while you're transitioning from the ending of the game to real, to, to real life. So if, if you're 14 years old, so you're just starting high school, you and your parents think Johnny's going to go, he's going to he's going to play college football and go to the NFL, you know, and we're trying to help people realize that that's a great dream, but there are all sorts of ways that it could not happen. So I'm 14 years old. I want to buy some insurance. What is, what does that look like? How do, how do I do that? How much do people have to invest in order to do that, to have a, a decent amount? So, so what's unique about insurance and, and, and the way that I do it, it's not a how much it costs. It's, it's, it's how much can you afford 
right now and I'll design it where you're going to pay for the death benefit, which is cool. But majority of the money that um, that you're paying goes to what's called a living benefit, which is like your cash value and all those things. So it's funny that, that you brought up the, the age of 14. I did an example, just, just an example of a 14 year old. And if, if, um, I'll sit and tell you, hey, you later on too, but by the, by the time they're at the age of 26, they'll, what, what, 24, they'll have $14,000, almost $15,000 in cash value within their retired player account. So whenever they finish Thank playing you. ball, they can, they can, or they can borrow against that. And I teach them how to borrow against it, not, not borrow from it. Uh, being able to leverage it for different investments and how to pay yourself back. And like, it's so many different ways that a lot of these guys can use this. Right. So, um, it's not a, how much it costs, it's how much you can afford right now, how much you're willing to invest. And then I'll design it to where it's a, it's a fully front loaded funded. So by the time you hit a certain age after like 10 years, then you have this cash to, you know, use to do whatever you want to do. And could parents start younger? So could, you know, parents of an eight-year-old kid you could start and say? You could start, as, far, start as, as early as 15 days old. 15 days old. So I, when we chatted last time, I think I, I kind of called it almost like a trust fund uh, as yeah. much as insurance, isn't it? Because you're just, you're, you, you could start as young as you want and you're just making this regular investment, allowing it to build, allowing it to build. So does it, does that accrue interest or is it just the cash equivalent for, of what you're putting in? does both. So it accrues interest. You, you get paid some dividends. It's actually protected from, from taxes, lawsuits. Um, it's a, and if you borrow against it, it's no taxes on that. So this performs better than, than a 401k and you can borrow against it without being 59 and a half. You can borrow against it whenever it, want to for no penalties so if you're looking at the way that it's set up if the the earlier you do it the cheaper it is so and because it's for the whole life you're gonna pay the same price from the time you're 15 days old to the time you're 70 years old gonna pay, pay the same price so if you're listening to this podcast i i just <laughs> I, I want you to think about this especially if you're in you know if you're in the uk as I don't know of anything like this in the UK at the minute. Uh, maybe there is, and someone can correct me and, and tell me all about it. But, you know, I, I, I see and work with players all the time who, who are now late 20s to early 30s, having to retire earlier than they wanted to, and already thinking now how what do I do now? Like, where's the money going to come from now? And then I, I, you know, I know kids in academies at eight years old, most of them, 99 out of a hundred of them will never play professional. They'll never sign a professional contract. And yet that's what all their hopes and dreams are being built towards. Having something like this to be able to uh, if they get knocked out of an academy at 16 years old to be able to say to them, well, at least you've put enough money aside from eight to be able to pay for your university or, or whatever it is that you want to do next. I, I just think it's a fantastic concept. Uh, I, I love what you're doing. And I think specifically with the, uh, the people that you're working with, um, talk to me about them. Who are, who are the families that are taking, who they're taking you up on this at the minute mainly? Well, so my target is families who have aspirations of their kid being self-sufficient at a, at a certain age, right? Um, you want to get them through college. You want to get them a scholarship. A, a lot of athletes don't understand the scholarship concept. Um, you could, you could, you could scholarship, you could scholarship yourself to college if you were set up right. But a lot of them are thinking about getting from a school when in, in our reality, you can set up a scholarship for yourself through different vehicles. So we, we work with athletes and, and families who believe in their kid, believe in the athlete and believe in whatever goals they, they all may have, but they're thinking long-term. Most parents we talk to understand that 
football and basketball, track, soccer, softball will end one day. What can I give my kid once this ends? I don't want to just take them, take them to AAU meets and, and, and camps and, and trainers because that's good for the right now. What am I going to give them once this, once this game ends? If I keep – you have parents who, like, harp on have a plan B, have a plan B because the game will end one day. But we already know the ages between 18 and 21, they're not listening to you at all. So they know better than you do. So instead of arguing with them, set them up a reserve account that once they finish, instead of like life hitting them in the, in the, in the face and they're like, like, I told you so, it's a, hey, I had this set up for when it when it did end here you go yeah and are they are most of your families from a certain type of background or a range of backgrounds it's, it's all over the place it's scattered it's scattered around so we don't we don't kind of pigeonhole ourselves it's more so how can we help insurance and what we do is for everybody everybody will die that's that's a fact <laughs> that is 100 Fact, True. Right? So, and, and then in sports, everyone will get some sort of an injury, have some sort of an accident. So our accident policies actually assist them on top of what they already have in insurance. We will pay them on top of what they have for an, for an accident, for an injury, for a concussion or surgery or whatever, being hospitalized. So we have so many different plans to protect the athletes throughout their whole career and after. So we don't, it's, it's, it's not a certain family. It's who is ready to sit down and listen and, and talk about when, when sports ends for your, your athlete's son, daughter, what are you going to do next? Cause we can always do training. I'm really, really good at training. I got a degree in exercise science. I know how to train to get faster and bigger. That's easy. I want to also train you on the off-field things and not just how to tweak the thing, like protect your life for real, for real. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. And so we're, we're going to come to the, the RPA thing now, but so already though, the, the sportspreneurship, the book that, that you've written, you know, that's about helping people make the connection between the, the experience of sports and uh, an understanding of leadership uh, understanding skills that they already have that maybe they didn't realize they had. So that's, that's helping people make their lives better. Then you've got this insurance stuff that's less about being an insurance salesman and more about helping make people's lives better uh, and more sustainable. And then you go from that onto the RPA college. Tell us, I, I, this fascinates me as well. Just tell us about RPA college. What is RPA college? When did it start? And why did it start? So RPA College is a postgraduate college prep pro program, program, right? So the focus is... Just for, but, sorry, just for clarification for people who maybe aren't American, when you say postgraduate, you mean high school graduate? Right, yes, post, yeah. post, post high school graduates, right? So when I joined the military out of high school, it, it allowed me to learn that the world does not revolve around me. I got some leadership skills. I tapped into things that I didn't know. So for me, that helped me be disciplined in school. So I always felt that everybody should, should do at least the, the basic training concept of the military fresh out of high school. Well, that's not realistic. Everybody's not going to join from the army. So I created this concept where you spend one to two years um, after high school to one mature, get better, get, get more film, get more experience in the college world. And then you can decide from there is college for me or is it not versus take, take, you, you take, you like take, um, take on this massive debt and find out school is not for you. It's kind of late. You kind of got $40,000 in, you know, in, you know, in debt. Well, so 2015, I had the idea, um, and I wanted to uh, create something here in the Dallas area for the, for the Dallas athletes. 
Dallas is the mecca of <laughs> football and things of that nature. So I felt there should be something here to educate the young athlete that that there's there's more than one way to get to college. And a lot of them are hung up on the the marketing, the popular schools, right? The Alabama, the Texas, the TCUs. And, but there are so many different schools. I went to a small school and I still had uh, pro aspirations, pro interviews. The Pittsburgh Steelers came and interviewed me. So I know that it's not about which school you go to. It's about self-production. So we, we want to create something here that allowed them to get experience in the college world to see if they're really ready or not. So they, they finish high school, so they're 18 years old. Are they all aspiring athletes is the first question. Yes. So all of them are this – is, this is a sports college, right? So it's sports-based. It's sports-driven. But we have a tagline here that the platform is sports, the program is life. So once they get here, yes, we know you guys came here to play sports. But while you're here, you're going to get a whole lot of life experiences and lessons and figuring out where you actually fit in this grand scheme of things called life, right? So um, they are all trying to go and play college sports. We give them college sports experience because all of our games are against on college level opponents. So off the, off the jump, fresh out of high school, you're going to play against guys who are two, two years removed, three years removed, went to a big school, came back down to a smaller school. You're going you're gonna to get your fair share of competition. And from there, you can see if this is where you really want to be. So academically, uh, what, are they, what are they doing with you? Are they all kids who are struggling academically? Or are some of them just kids who are wanting to check out if sports is what they want to do uh, and they'll do the academics as well? What, what are you doing academically with them? Well, academically, it's a wide range. So, so you have those who just need test scores. So that's the prep route. So we do the academic, you know, helping them get higher test scores, which is in, in America is the ACT and the SAT. So you're trying to help them get those scores up or they'll take accredited college courses where they're, they're knocking out their basic classes, freshman year classes, sophomore year classes, or whatever you may need. And you're going to use those credits to transfer to your, your, your next school. So we took the model of prep and doing college and we mixed it all together and provided a university experience all while giving life in the same, in the, in the same token. So, so, Really? So the kids could come to you at 18 and then have another two years of prep before they even start playing college football and still have four more years to play potentially. Yeah. I went, I went to Louisiana college at 21. I was a freshman, but I was a sophomore in class going and going, going to my junior year, but I was a freshman on the football field. See, I, again, I, I think that's fantastic. Uh, I, you know, in the States, it's already better than it is in, in terms of soccer, football in the UK, um, because at least you've got from 18 to 22 to continue to develop if you wanted to go straight out of college. But you're offering these guys another two years, which again, is just more time to build strength, to build speed, but also to get the education. And, and that's amazing. In, in England, uh, in the UK, it's difficult, you know, if you're not a part of a, an academy by the time you're 10 or 12 years old, so that you can go through that academy, sign your first professional contract, maybe when you're 16, 17, you stand almost no chance ever of playing at a higher level. Uh, and, you know, the kids are, are cut when they're 14, 16 years old, hopes dashed, dreams dashed, never stand another chance. And, you know, I just love that you're giving these, these, these I call them kids, these young men, uh, an opportunity up until the age of, of 20 uh, to be able to prepare to go and play at a higher level. And you're taking care of their academics for them. And I want to talk a little bit more about that because, again, you're not just doing 
normal academics. You're, you're teaching these guys life skills, right? So talk to me about some of the stuff that you're teaching them. So we do an assessment where we find out their strengths, right? I'm not real big on finding out your, your weaknesses. I want to find out what you're good at and let's build on that, right? So we, we get them an assessment. We find out their strengths. And based on their strengths, we're able to build a curriculum where, you know, he may be a leader, but he may be a action leader. This guy may be a vocal leader. This guy may be a, I'm going to lead by, you know, and, and our curriculum for leadership is strictly about how to pull the best out of you while in your sport. Because a lot of, a lot of kids get, get passed over from recruiting because college scouts are looking at one caliber of a leader or a, 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 a superstar athlete, right? You can have an athlete who's very passively aggressive and he would change your whole program in no time, but because he's passive and he's, you know, he's relaxed and laid back. You don't look at and that. And maybe age. humble. <laughs> right. So, so a lot of the, a lot of things we do here is we try to get them involved in the communities, whether it's community service, whether it's, you know, finding a, a certain career path that, that you want to be, be involved in. And let's, and let's get you connected with those guys. Right. So because a lot, a lot, a lot of people think if I choose this major, this, this is going to make a lot of money. But you see the day to day and that's not what you really want to do every day. So maybe the money looks good, but the career sucks. So that's not for you. So that's a life skill. Right. Uh, last year, we had them in apartments where they they had a full kitchen, full stove, learn how to cook, learn how to uh, grocery shop. I took them all grocery shopping at the store and showed them how to like price matches, figuring out you know how to buy pro your produce. Then I uh, we actually gave them a, a monthly allowance where the room supposed to like put put that put that money together and learn to budget. Hey, this week I'll buy the meats. This week I'll buy the pasta. This this week I'll buy all the beverages. This week I'll buy and it's four guys to a room and they and they decide who's buying what, and this is how you survive in college. <laughs> you know, so That's it's amazing. You know, it's not about, you know, the most money. It's how do you survive in college without always calling mom and dad to bail you out? Because once you finish college and mom and dad no longer like bailing you out, how do you survive without those skills being learned? Taught them how to wash clothes. They all have full washer and dryers in their apartments. Learning how to wash clothes and separate your 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 clothing, you know, like <laughs> skills for them is critical once you leave once you leave mom and dad's house. Again, I I love the life skills aspect. You know, teaching, giving kids an education is hugely important, but helping them learn how to take care of themselves, <laughs> uh, giving them those skills, which are then skills they can pass on to their kids as well. <laughs> you know, that's. I, it's amazing the work that you're doing. How many students do you have at RPA now? So you started in 2015. How many students do you have there now? So right now we're sitting at 65. Today, 30 came in town today. Um, this, this is our biggest class. Well, due, due to COVID, we actually increased enrollment. So we're sitting at probably 70, 75 with, with basketball and football. Wow. So uh, it's only two years there with you, right? One year. One year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I misunderstood that. It's only one year there with you. Okay. Um, so they play either currently either football or basketball. Are you looking to add sports to that? Yes. By 2023, we'll have every collegiate sport. And so we add two, two new sports every year. Wow. So what are you adding this year? So we were supposed to be adding basketball and soccer. We got we got basketball going, but not the women's side. So next year, we're going to add uh, baseball, softball, and soccer. Oh, wow. You're doing a lot of incredible things. You know, we've talked about a lot of it. And you're, you're looking at things in a way, in a different way, which is what an entrepreneur does. An entrepreneur finds new ways to, to, to look at things. But my question for you is why? Why are you doing this? What motivates you? 
So my story is unique, right? So I went to, I was a military kid. My dad was in the military. I moved around a lot. I'm from one of the worst cities academically, economically. And I've always told myself that I am a product of my environment. I am. But I'm that because of what I saw. I wanted to become the opposite. So where I come from, the statistics is if you make it to 18, then you're great. Right. So I wanted to create something where I can change so many communities by showing you don't have to do a certain thing to change your, your life. You don't have to do one thing to get your your mom out of the situation, because in our culture, you know, the African, African-American culture is I want to go to the NFL to get my mom and dad out the hood. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you asked me earlier on the call. Who's all in Dallas with you? My whole family is here, and I haven't stepped one foot on the NFL field. You know, so the reason why I created RPA and I do all the things that I that I do because once you find ways to acquire the things that you think you can only get it one way, once I figure out another way to get it, I want to share it with everybody. And the way you change a community or a family is you start with the kids. Because the kids are the most influential people in the house because they make the parents step up and do things differently. So if the kid expects more, then the parents will do more. But if you're trying to only talk to a parent based on what they know, creatures of habit will be creatures of habit. Working with the youth, they don't have any bad habits. They just have bad images. So let's change their, let's change their image, and then that will ultimately change their on their parents bad habits which changes communities which which changes the world as a whole that's excellent just say that again they they don't have bad habits they have bad images just say that again and just just explain that a little bit more tell me what some of those bad images are right so i you don't have well these youth don't have bad habits they have bad images meaning they don't have any bad things that they're doing they're only emulating what they're seeing which which then becomes ingrained in them and they become an adult that becomes a habit but they don't get the habit until they see it so they don't have bad habits right right now they only see bad things and they try to emulate that and then eventually it becomes a habit but right now they they are only doing what they see so how about we give them an image worth viewing so they can emulate that, and then that changes a whole generation of people. Yeah. So you are one of those images now. You have created this this person that you've become, who's come from that difficult background, that um, a, a community where you know if you had gone off the rails at 18 years old, no one would have been surprised, right? That would have right. been like that's what pe- that's what people do. <laughs> um, but you've managed to get out of that and you've managed to create in yourself this person that these other kids can look to and say, now I can do that. But you're trying to help them become that as well, right? So it's growth by multiplication, uh, which is amazing. So do you see it working? Tell me about some of the kids at the moment that if that are coming through, maybe coming through RPA or whatever that that you're seeing that change happen in them. Because I know you've posted a little bit, uh, a few of them online or whatever on Instagram. But tell me, tell me, tell me one or two of those stories. Yeah. So you, so 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 we have kids. Last year, I took five kids from New Orleans, and you don't expect a kid to get the information and change overnight. But if you show consistency, things like one of the guys came, um, he's from terrible area. Once he left and went back home, he called me and said, coach, everything you said, I understand it now. I feel like, like I don't belong here. And to me, that's when you know that the message you're giving out it doesn't mean that that you're better than your people. It just means you you have, you have been exposed to something so so bad and so different that that when you go back home, you have so much that you know now. You feel like I don't belong here. I need to be around people who are doing 
what I know now, right? So mm-hmm. it's not about what they're going to do now. Because RPA, I feel, I feel, I tell all my staff is the, the impact of your mentorship won't, won't be seen for 18 to 24 months after they've gone. Because you won't, you may, you may hear them say, yes, sir, no, sir, and, you know, change certain habits. But you won't see the full impact of your mentorship until two years later. And that's right. when it starts to, like, resonate. It starts to make sense, right? So I started, like, our first official game was 27-17. It's 2020 now. And my, my media guy, the one who does all my graphics, my logos, the websites, videos. He was the very first recruit at RPA. Now he's a business partner of RPA, runs his own business, does his own everything at 21 years old. We would have never seen that in first year. You You don't see the fruits of that till later. And for him to be with me day in, day out, he's part of the team. He's a partner. He doesn't work for me. He works with me, and I take him everywhere. Like, anytime I'm flying out of town, I bring him with me because my mentorship to him doesn't mm. stop just because he left RPA. Yeah, that's good. That, that's, that's gold. Yeah, that's, you know, that, that's, uh, that's a great story. And you've been going, well, about five years now. And to, to already have those stories, you know, even if it was just one, but it's not just one. Uh, you know, you, you've brought kids through, you've sent them on to, to universities to play, you know, they've come through you and, they, and they've gone on to, to bigger colleges to, to, play, to play football. Um, you are having an impact on these kids. And, you know, that's, I, I am in awe of you and uh, very impressed by what you. you're doing. So, yeah, no, you're doing, you're doing an incredible job. For you to be doing what you're doing, though, it seems to me that it kind of, the, the system must be broken. So for you to have to do what you're doing with RPA College, there must be something wrong with the current system of high school and college the, the, and get, preparing kids for life out of high school, getting them ready for college or work or whatever it is. That The system is currently broken. Do you agree with that? I do, 100%. And do you think the system can be fixed or is it going to just take people like, more people like you to create a new system? It's a hybrid. And I say that because it's going to take more people like myself. But in nature, everything recorrects itself and cleanses eventually. What you're seeing now with the COVID-19 and all the adjustments of Hey, I, I, I got to choose me a school that makes sense with culture, with region, with travel, with everything starting to like reset itself to where it makes sense for a kid to think about, would I go to this school without sports? Can I attend this school without sports? Now, it's going to take more people like, like, like myself who don't highlight the sports I feel like if you can play sports, you can play sports. It doesn't really matter. A hundred yards is it? I mean, a hundred yards. It's it's what you do with the opportunity to attend school that matters most. So we need more people like 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 myself doing like like just true mentorship that has nothing to do with sports. Because as we see now, if sports is no longer a thing for a year. Can these kids stay at their school, stay eligible, and be disciplined enough to train for one year with, um, with, um, with no guarantee of a game? And what you're seeing is you're seeing kids from California relocating to states that are playing football. You see kids transferring from this school to this school, leaving. And that should let you know that it's all sports-driven. So there's a problem with it being sports driven because if if all 50 states just cancel sports in general, where are you transferring to and why? So that so the system is broken because these kids are making decisions off of sports, but their mentors are telling them you're student first, you're student first, but you're saying that, but you're pushing a different narrative. 
So you're saying what's polit politically correct to say, but your actions are going with the flow. So you've started RPA College, you've written a book, you sell insurance to help kids make their lives better, help parents help their kids make their lives better. You're changing lives every day. What's your next challenge? Hey, I, I, I want to plant RPAs overseas and, and in different states, of course. But I, I, I want to put one in Europe. I want to put one in Africa, or maybe like a couple in Africa. Because the concept of what we do, it is sports-based, and that's what keeps it fun. Because I myself wouldn't have gotten my degree without, without playing sports. That was a motivator. So if we can use sports as a platform to, to correct the trajectory of a, of a kid's life, I'm, I want to put as many platforms of RPA in as many states and countries as I can. So uh, next year, I hope to have one pilot program in Ghana. So that's, that's, that's the move for right now. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to go down as a person who never told himself no. Um, we, get, we get so caught up in, 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 in people telling tell us no, but the biggest no you can receive is you telling yourself no. So whatever I conjure up in my mind, I'm gonna go do it. And if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Like, like I began my career as exercise physiologist. I did like a lot of like rehab on athletes and different people, people with cancer and diabetes and all these, all these things. So my, my exercise career began with the medical field and I didn't like it. You know, so I created a whole wave of partnering with chiropractors and doing rehab on people who are getting adjustment and had car accidents. Then that was boring. So I took, when I got my injury, I used my injury as a concept to work with athletes, get back in the game. So that led to working with athletes from high school who were injured and showing them how to get back mentally. Then I went from that to showing like different colleges. All of that led up to creating RPA. Cause I never told myself I can't or it wasn't going to work. I have to see that it doesn't work for me to say it doesn't work. I'm, I'm just that weird, right? I just, if it's not going to work, I need to see that it's not going to work. I love that. Um, that you're, basically, you're not going to let anyone else tell you no. Uh, you're <laughs> you're going to decide what you can and can't do. Nobody right. else is going to make that decision for you. I like that. I like that. And again, that's, that's the entrepreneur spirit. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can do this. Watch me. Tell me Tenac I can't. <laughs> it's tenacity. It's, it's, it's tenacious of, um, you know what I mean? But that's how I played football, though. So I don't care who was the number one receiver. I wanted to guard him because he's going to have to beat me to prove to me that he's the number one receiver. And I took that same concept and went into a business. I can go in any meeting room. You're going to have to prove to me that you're smarter than me and you do better business than I do for me to believe that just, just because your company made $60 million last year, you're going to have to prove to me that your idea concept is better than, 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 than mine. I love that. Something I haven't asked you, what has been, what's been your biggest disappointment? whether that's in sports or in business, uh, the podcast is called Sing When You're Losing. Right. And that's, you know, it's all about learning to understand that actually losing is something that we should look forward to <laughs> in the sense that it teaches us. We, we grow more through losing and through disappointment than we do through when everything is going great. So for you, what's been your biggest disappointment, your biggest failure, What's it been? Disappointment was uh, not doing RPA when I wanted to do it. So I first seen the concept when I was in college in 2011. I had the idea in 2013. I didn't move on it until 2015, but I was, I was waiting on friends. So 2017, I didn't go, I didn't, it wasn't until 2017 that I went live. So seeing the impact that I have now, and I know that God doesn't make mistakes on timing, but seeing the impact that I've had in three years, if I've done it 
when I initially wanted to, I would have, you know, been way more along. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. I don't look at that as a failure. It's just, just, just a lesson of if this is what you want to do, do it. Don't wait on anybody. Don't wait on friends. Everybody doesn't have the vision that you, you have. And sometimes you got to do it alone. So my first year, I was literally the, the only coach. I was the only coach. I, I ran the business. I, I traveled to different cities to recruit kids. I cooked. I, I washed the clothes. I did mentorship. I drove the vans one time, a couple times. Like, I, I did it all. I did everything. <laughs> so I know RPA from top to bottom, literally. Yeah. yeah. But again, that's what you do if you're an entrepreneur. You make it yep. work, <laughs> whatever it takes. And I, I love that the thing that upsets you the most is that you didn't start sooner so that you could have impacted more lives. Uh, again, uh, it speaks very highly of you that you know, your biggest disappointment is that you could have impacted more lives. Uh, but I, I also realized that you don't hold that against yourself, really. So good. Don't oh, hold no. that again because you, you're, doing, you're doing an incredible job so much more than so many others uh, in terms of helping other people out. And I just want to encourage you again and, and say that I'm unbelievably impressed with what you're thank doing. Uh, and thank you for the lives that, that you're changing. Thank you for loving your community, uh, for uh, standing up and, and being uh, a role model, for being willing to, to stand out, be a role model for being willing to put your head above the parapet and say, you know what, you, look at me, follow me. Because it, it, not a lot of people want to say that, at least not the right people. <laughs> a lot of people say, follow me, but you don't want to go where they're going. <laughs> right. Uh, so for you to stand up and, you know, follow me and, and you're leading people somewhere that's, that's worth going. So well done. Thank you. Well done. Uh, we, you know, we're going to bring it to a close now. I, like I said to you on the phone the other day and we talked, I could talk to you all night long. Uh, there's, there's so much stuff that we haven't even covered that, that I would like to talk to you about. Um, and I still need to convince you that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. But uh, we'll, we'll save that. We'll save that for another day. Who's the best quarterback of all time then? I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have one. I, I, I guess to just like definitively say somebody is the greatest of all time. Yeah. Now, you have my own top five. Yeah. You know, and you know, two of them happen to be a 49er, so. <laughs> I'll give you one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, 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 like, I like Tom Brady. I think he's just phenomenal. Like, dude is great. You know, I, I like I like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's pretty dope. Drew Brees, he's like a seven to me. <laughs> yeah. But Peyton, Peyton is is he's the man. I feel like he made not he made not good people look good. Yeah. You know, he took some average guys and turned them into Hall of Famers. Yeah. Know, same way with Brady and. Like, I think the best guys make other people around them better. That's why uh, Jordan and Mar up there. You know, Jordan, LeBron, you know, all those guys yeah. that, like, elevate their teammates are goats. You know, if we want to say goats, you know. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that, that's something, again, I talk with players a lot about is the great players make other players better. Uh, you know, if you can lift the, the, the game of the, the great players do two things. They make their opponents who should be equal to them look bad, but they make their teammates look good. Let me ask you, uh, and, you, know, let me ask you this. So in that, in that concept, how similar is that to business? Yeah, completely. It's a concept that again, not enough leaders in business understand. Right. If you as a leader can make your team look better, then you're, you're going to go places. Um, yeah. You know, I heard a quote that uh, sort of B-class leaders surround themselves with C and D-class followers. Yep. A-class leaders surround themselves with 
A plus followers. Yeah. Uh, because you, you can't be an A class leader uh, and be insecure. Right. You, you gotta I, be. I I am truly the MVP of my business, but with or without me playing, my team still executes at a high level. Yeah. And if you look greatest teams the downfall on certain teams is when the superstar player doesn't play the team sucks you know and that's and that's usually based on upper management things of that nature too but the, on the best teams play well with anybody the spurs were a prime example of that you didn't really know who was the super super superstar you knew who was the mvp but you didn't know who was like oh without this guy they're gonna get blown out by 50 you know so that's where I'd be in my mind. I, I, I try to like keep everything sports related. Sports is ingrained in me. It's, it's, it's got me out of situations. It's what got me my degree is what got me to Texas is what, you know, so I'm going to forever be thankful for the sports, but I'm going to use what I learned to elevate the next people going through the sports to shorten their learning curve. Excellent. Reggie, it has been a real privilege uh, talking to you, and I hope we are able to talk again very, very soon. And like I say, hopefully meet in person before yeah. too long as well. It would be great to get to know you better, to get to know your family as well. Definitely. I hope you have a great rest of the weekend, and we will chat again very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed listening to Reggie Calhoun Jr. today on the podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sing When You're Losing with Reggie Calvin Jr. Please follow him on Instagram at Reggie Calvin Jr. and check out his link tree for more information. If you found this helpful, leave a review and spread the word as well. Don't forget to subscribe or to check back for next week's exciting conversation. The world is a crazy and unpredictable place, so don't forget to sing when you're losing.